What's up and welcome back to the Kind of Funny Screencast. Of course, I'm Tim Geddes and I'm joined by the sad boy himself, Bear Courtney. Tim, the Boba Boys are back. Let's go. Oh, shit. That's a good <laughs> shirt. That is a high quality shirt, everybody. Oh, my God. Then we have Boba a Boba Guys yes. in a Boba Guys shirt. What? world are we living in that well, was too good i didn't get the memo i've got a boba tech <laughs> controller around here somewhere uh, i should scramble faster <laughs> and that voice that you just heard is her very first appearance here on kind of funny sage ryan from smosh games and pixel circus she does a show called it's too early with one anthony carboni of course, you all know and love so very much. But uh, last week, the, the three of us boys here did uh, our little Boba Fett reactions. And I was like, you know what? I, I want more. We need some more voices. And then, boom, here we go. We got Sage. Thank you so much for joining us. I love to talk about a Star War. Yeah, mm -hmm. she does. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she does. I'm sure you guys do that all the time. So this is just like doing it in a different place. You know, it's kind of like seeing your teachers outside of school where like it feels <laughs> wrong, but like yeah. it's real. You well, know? here's the biggest difference is on it's too early because look, it's 8 a.m. Everything just happened. We're not doing spoilers. So here mm. we get to actually say the stuff where mm. on it's too early we get to get up and go, oh, it's really good. You know it's how it is. Like it. <laughs> you, you, you gentlemen know how it goes. You've got your news show where you got to do your news, and that's why you mm -hmm. had to create this show because you mm -hmm. got to talk about the spoilers. Exactly. Yeah. Now, this again, of course, this is the kind of funny screencast where each and every week, at least once a week, we react to the latest in TV, movies, and movie trailers. Uh, the first couple of weeks have had a whole bunch of things going on, so there have been multiple episodes, and that will continue, including this week where we're doing Boba Fett, but we will also be doing DC's Peacemaker uh, episodes one through three come out i think tonight as of recording oh, wow. but we're going to record our review until friday because there's three episodes we want to give everyone time to, to kind of watch them uh because they come out at midnight so that's a whole thing uh but we will be reacting of course here on youtube.com slash kind of funny or roosterteeth.com you can also search your favorite podcast service for kind of funny screencast and we'll be right there for you if you wanted to get the show ad free if you wanted to watch live as we record it you got to go to patreon.com slash kind of funny, just like our Patreon producers, Molecule, James Davis, and Pranksy have done. We appreciate you all so very, very much. But let's get right into it. Today, we're talking about the book of Boba Fett, episode three, The Streets of Mos Espa. Sage, I want to start with you. Oh, with you me. Well, so here's the thing. First off, start about, off with your thoughts of the show so far, mm -hmm. and then get into to what, you, what you thought about episode three. So episode three was actually my favorite so far by like leaps and bounds. It was the first episode of the book of Boba Fett so far that had me like doing the thing where you readjust in your chair and you're like, oh man, oh, okay. Oh, okay, we're doing it. We're getting into it. Um, it, it dove into a lot of the things that I love about the Star Wars universe. Um, when they said like, there's a, a group of teens doing body mods, I was like, let's go, okay. <laughs> As soon as they said it, I was like, yeah, yeah, no, this is what I'm here for. Um, a lot of the first two episodes have been this kind of like a lot of setup. And a lot of this first season we know is going to be a lot of setup. But I think this was the first one that didn't feel like primarily setup for me. That I was like, oh, this one's a show. Okay. I think we might be arriving at a at a nice little show here. Interesting. Barrett, what do you think? Um, I... I'm in a weird <laughs> spot. I'm in a weird spot. I think this episode had some of my favorite scenes and moments so far in the first three episodes. But at the same time, I think it's my least favorite episode. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, I think it's it can be summed up in the speeder chase scene. The slowest chase scene that I think we've ever yeah. seen in Star Wars that reminded me of like the, the commentary on Manos the Hands of Fate in the intro where they're just driving around <laughs> for a while and they make the joke of like, this is the slowest car chase scene ever in a movie. Um, where it's like there's cool ideas, there's some fun moments, but overall some Power just, Ranger mopeds. Yeah, and like, but overall it just kind of felt clunky and weird to me overall. Like I, I loved the, uh, you know, we were wondering if we were going to get another flashback this episode, and like when we first got into it, into another flashback this episode, I was like, all right. But then it led to like I think one of my favorite moments in the in the show so far. Uh, you know, we got the the. Uh, the fight scene with uh, how do you say his name? Because I've only ever read it, so it's like I don't. What, Black Kersantin. Kersantin. Yeah. Uh, you, you had that. A funny. Fight a funny thing. Can I say? Can I say real quick? A funny thing. Kieran Gillen, who created Black Kersantin for the Star Wars comics, tweeted out today that it literally in his first script for Darth Vader number one, Black Kersantin's name was Nubaka. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> 
Before he named Black Crescent, he's like, I don't have a name for this guy yet. He's Nubaka. That is awesome. I don't, I don't, Nubaka does not accurately represent how freaking ripped that Wookiee is. Oh my yeah. God. That Wookiee is built. He is terrifying. Absolutely like, swole. Like, Chewbacca was scary in theory, but and you got some moments where he's like, oh yeah, he's a, he's a big Wookiee and he can mess people up. But like, we really got to see it in this episode of like, just, uh, you know, Wookiees just absolutely kicking ass. Um, yeah, there were like moments that I liked, but there's just like, it, it did feel a little bit like they were still setting things up. I don't love how the episode uh, ended, uh, and I think that's, like, what really uh, kind of left me off where I'm like, all right, I, I, I kind of see where we're going, but at the same time, I, I'm, I'm still wondering where we're going. Um, hmm. So, yeah, I, I, I'm kind of in this weird in-between where there's so much I, I really liked about it and so much where I was just like, I, I don't know how I feel about this. Carboni. Yeah, you know... Uh, I get what Barrett's saying. I also, I also kind of see where Sage is too. I, I think there were a lot of great moments here. Like we said, this is a book of Boba Fett is a sneaky backdoor world building exercise for the Star Wars TV universe that is to come. You know, they're using the Bo they're using Boba Fett as a character to bring in all of these things. Like Sage was talking about, like. We know there are people who do body mods and 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 that kind of stuff in Star Wars. We know that there are these uh, that there are these syndicates. We know all of this stuff is happening, and we're using Boba Fett to introduce us to all this stuff. And I think this was the first episode where we're really starting to see what he's getting himself into, in a certain extent. Uh, I love, I love angsty cyborg biker teens so much. I knew you so would. much. I knew you would, Carbone. I love like with their with their beautiful with their beautiful Vespa like speeders uh, coming candy chrome colors. For sure. Sweet little space Vespa. I have that they're, in my notes here. I have they're very Vespas. beautiful. They're very beautiful for a for a gang of like <laughs> of like hacker punk cyborgs, but they're beautiful. And and I agree that some of the stuff it feels like they threw in some action because they were like, whoa, we've been really light on action. Uh and I think the biggest thing that hit me this episode, the thing that made me go, oh, okay, I see why people aren't getting into this. I love the story of Boba Fett uh, coming, coming into his, like getting past his, emo his emotional damage and his anger and trying to be a better person and trying to atone for the sins of the past. The issue is on screen, we haven't really seen much of that past. And I think that's the trick that's sort of leaving me feeling a little less than with the show. I, I really love the show, but I think if I was a huge Boba Fett fan, I think I would feel like we skipped a lot of the stuff about Boba's life that I wanted to see in favor of this stuff. And I don't know how I would feel about that. It's that's a, a good way to put it. Yeah. I don't know. Tim, how did you feel? Yeah, you know, I'm I'm kind of in a mix of all you guys. So I'm I've been kind of like warm on this show so far. Where I'm mm -hmm. like, it reminds me a little bit more of Mandalorian season one than season two. And for me, I preferred season two vastly to to season one. But I think the problem with it is it almost feels like a retread of season one. And I feel like even in this episode, we're starting to see a lot of things where okay, there's this this now there's a, a rancor that that he's going to bond with or whatever. Like this just feels familiar to things that we've, we've already seen in, in, in Mandalorian and like them both being Mandalorian bounty hunters and stuff. It like it, and it being so much on Tatooine and like these set pieces that at this point we have seen so many times, like the, the joke of like, Oh, it always goes back to Tatooine. Like, these shows are getting to the point where it's like, oh man, we always go back to Jabba's palace. And I know that, that that sounds like a silly thing to complain about because that's kind of the point of the show. And what's funny is I rewatched episodes one and two leading into three, and I liked both of them a lot more than I did the first go. And I think it's just because of what the show is and how it's kind of just structured and, and what its main function is, which is this kind of lore and world building stuff. Like it works better when you know what's going to happen when you're not like wondering for reveals and surprises and kind of like trying to guess the plot and stuff when you're just kind of like, okay, I already know how this goes. So now I can kind of just like, you're just let it wash it. over me. You're yeah. Like then it, it kind of works a lot more. So getting into this episode, I thought I was like, Oh, you know what? I'm ready. And I'm prepared to, I know what I'm getting into. And I left it being like, maybe I need to rewatch this one again. Um, and because it's, it's weird where Robert Rodriguez is really hit or miss for me. And I think overall, 
I would put it more in the miss category than the hit uh, for what I'm looking for, especially from Star Wars type stuff. And uh, the idea of the augmented teens, I'm like, this is cool. I loved Alita Battle Angel. I can mm-hmm. vibe with that in Star Wars. <laughs> like, yeah. that is awesome. Cool. But then when the more we get these teens, the more I'm like, oh, this is more Spy Kids than Alita. And that's not really what I want from Star we Wars. Have, I think we have one Alita and five Spy Kids. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that's kind of like it's a it's a weird place uh, for a Star Wars, for a Boba. Yeah, because you I want think, more Alitas. Yeah. You want at least to be a, a three Alitas, three Spy Kids. You want an you equal to, mix. Balance. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Balance. Yeah, exactly. Like all things well, and I, and I I think that's the thing is like when we talk about this as as world building and and sort of table setting, like. I like the first episode. I like the first season of The Mandalorian. I think a lot more than other people because I, w- I was already in the mood to sit back and let this happen. I was like, they're doing whole seasons of this thing. Season one is just, hey, let's establish the guy in the world and some characters, and then by the time we get to season two, we'll start getting all this stuff coalescing. And I feel like they're taking the same strategy here, but they're taking the same strategy in the same kind of setting with the same kind of people. Yeah, which which makes you feel like you're treading it over again. And look, you know Robert Rodriguez wants to make a series about these cool biker cyborgs, and you can feel that right <laughs> when they're introduced. You're like Robert Rodriguez wants to make a cyberpunk Star Wars show. Yeah, and John Favreau likes the characters. You know, and I'm not mad at that idea. No, yeah, totally. But that dude, that car chase uh, against the uh, uh, against the major domo. It really was like he got. It really was like the Austin Powers golf cart. It was, Jesse. and, and, and like, that sucks, it also right? Felt like a joke. Like it yeah. honestly felt a little silly. Like I thought they were gonna make some kind of commentary on it at some point. Watching these little Vespas just kind of like. Yeah, I wanted well, you know, but to be like they, at the end, be like y'all are fucking dorks. Or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they played the major domo. They've been playing the major domo for comedy so hard mm-hmm. that by the time he starts running away, you're like. Well, what is he going to do? He's not really a threat. He's silly. Yeah. You know, uh, it's like, don't let the silly man get away. He'll make more jokes. Like, yeah, you know, totally. <laughs> that whole scene to me was, was really, really weird. And it almost felt like a threat <laughs> to us. It almost felt like, uh, are you going to sit through this? Like, are you going to take this seriously? Because this is happening in, in a Boba Fett show. What's weird is that having rewatched one and two leading into it, seeing the action scene, the train heist, the train it, is so it, good. It had some, you know, some faults here and there, but I looked th- past them all because it was rad and it was well choreographed and the stakes were high and it felt fun. It felt like a Fast and Furious heist. I love that. Then you see this and it does feel more Austin Powersy. Even when the music kicks in, it was the least Star Wars sounding music I've ever heard. And that's the a, a weird kind of thing for me is I I'm simultaneously complaining that we're just getting the same thing over and over and Tatooine and blah, blah, blah. But then when we get something different, I'm complaining as well. And I think that that's kind of the the, the Star Wars in a nutshell, right? Mm-hmm. But seeing the the chasing and the major Domo character, which last week I was even saying, like, he reminds me of Amy Sedaris, who we see in this episode. I don't yeah. know if you guys noticed. That was yeah, yeah, yeah. Fun. I caught her. Yeah. But uh, they're my least favorite parts of these shows. And it's because it, it doesn't feel right to me. Like, it feels mm-hmm. like they're not in the, the same world. It, it and I feel- finally put... It doesn't uh, feel uh, authentic. Word to it. it feels like they're theater acting, and that's like it, the, that's, that's the thing, thing that takes me out. Where it's like they're it, they're playing up the characters that they are cast as, and that, that's the problem that I that I definitely agree with you, Tim. It reminds me of like uh, uh, theme park attraction versions mm. of characters, as opposed mm. to actual characters. Like when you're at Disneyland and you see Boba Fett come out and he starts dancing. <laughs> and you're like you're like that's boba fett but like it's silly because he's dancing like then you go to buy a coca-cola and then somebody's there like joking and shit like that the joker yeah. coca-cola sales guy feels like this mayor's domo dude. right like if you like like if you met boba fett at at the theme park he wouldn't be allowed to be like too mean to you yeah right like he wouldn't be like he couldn't he, he couldn't be too mean uh yeah i sort of get that i think I think it's just, I think there are ways that they could have played up and look, I'm not sitting here telling Robert Rodriguez and John Favreau how to write <laughs> and direct something, but I think that there was, there are some things that could have been done for pacing for me that I think would have, would have made this thing feel a little more urgent. If the major domo drove away and drove immediately into the safety of a pike base or the pike's landing, right? Yep. And these and these biker kids had to turn around because oh shit the pikes yeah. are here and the mayor's working with the pikes. 
that would like, connect those really well. Right, those didn't but they, have to be two separate moments. They went for the they went for the fruit cart joke instead. The, like, you know what I mean? Oh my god! They, yeah, it, they it, said my cabbage. Yeah, but at the, but at the same time, like I really did love my my big question with Black Kersantin was, motherfucker, how did you get in here? I know. Fennec, no. Fennec Shand and five cyborgs and two. Two of these Gamorrean guards are hanging out, and Black Kersantin walks in. Yeah, and I, but I love that too. It's like, and it's like, I don't know if I need an explanation, but I love that of like he. Oh, we're gonna get a whole show about it, Barrett. Yeah, don't worry. and he is like a, a, a bounty hunter, like and and like a hired kind of gun, and I, I love that even this big bulking Wookiee was able to like mm-hmm. sneak in here undetected because at first I thought it was like a dream or some shit and I was like mm-hmm. how did he get in here and then like when they actually like uh you know go into the 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 main palace room and like capture him and stuff I was like man this is actually like kind of cool of just like he very cool he's good at what he does if he's, he's able very to, good yeah that was really dude cool. watching a Wookiee bite someone I was like that yes. was wild but I want to know what me- the jaw strength is like this leads me to my biggest complaint about the book of Boba Fett so far is that they set up Fennec Shan to be the baddest, the coolest, the, like the the small bits of fighting we've actually gotten to, gotten to see in her. Wow, I had no words for that sentence. Um, the small amount of fighting that we've actually gotten to see her do when the camera's focused on her. She's awesome. She's so freaking cool. And we know that as Star Wars fans. We know to be absolutely uh, fearful of Fennec Shand. And yet they keep putting us in these situations where I'm like, couldn't Fennec have just handled that? Like canonically, Fennec could have just handled that. It brings me back to that shield scene when they're being attacked and then surrounded by those shields. And because they're focused on Boba Fett in that scene, Fennec is just in the background getting her butt kicked the entire time. Like they were just like, mm, we're not gonna put in any fight choreo for her here really. We're just gonna let this them hit her a bunch. When, like, then when the camera shifted, okay, she can be a badass again. Like, that's cool. We're fine with it. There are so many scenarios where I'm like, how dare you put this incredible character in and not do her absolutely any justice yet? Dude, the one note I have is I really like Fennec. Like, I really like... Hold on. I really like Fennec. Like, I really like Fennec. But why? She sits cool. Do something. Oh my she's god, she sits so she sits so cool. cool. She's yeah. so she calm. So cool. And everything so that we like know about, about Fennec from before this show, yeah. we know to like revere Fennec Shand. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're not giving it to us at all. And I keep seeing like combat start and being like, ooh. Here okay. we go. Here yeah. we go. And then her coming in at the end and being like, I pressed a button. Yeah. And I was like, no. <laughs> no. Yeah. No, go why do the... we watch the old man get thrown around in his underwear instead of God. watching Fennec kick his ass? <laughs> so true. Uh, before we move on, though, let me tell you about our sponsors. Guess what I use all the time, ladies and gentlemen? DoorDash. That's right. I come down here. I record the shows. I come upstairs. Jen's taking care of our newborn. Is a three-month-old? Our three-month-old. And guess what? We're both too tired to make food, so we order on DoorDash. We do it all the time, and you should too. You've got back-to-back meetings, errands to run, and chores to take care of. What's the secret to clearing your to-do list? A little help from DoorDash. Along with the restaurants you love, you can now get groceries and other essential items delivered to your door with DoorDash. Get drinks, snacks, and other household items in under an hour. With over for 300,000 partners, you can support your neighborhood go-tos. Choose from your favorite national chains like Popeye's, Chipotle, and Cheesecake Factory. For a limited time, our listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when they download, that's you, download the DoorDash app and enter the code GAMES2021. That's 25% off, up to a $10 value, and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code GAMES2021. Don't forget, that code is GAMES2021 one for 25% off your first order with DoorDash, subject to change. Terms apply. Kick off 2022 with a better checking account with no monthly fees, no overdraft fees, no foreign transaction fees, and no service fees. Get all that and then some with Chime, an award-winning app and debit card. They've also got over 60,000 fee-free in-network ATMs all over the place, like at most Walgreens, 7-Elevens, or CVSs. You can access your money when you need it, where you need it. 
Make sure you make the first good decision of the new year and join over 10 million people using Chime. Sign up takes only two minutes and doesn't affect your credit score. Get started at Chime.com slash KF Games. That's Chime.com slash KF Games. Bank services provided by and debit card issued by Bancorp Bank or Stride Bank NA members, FDIC. Get fee free transactions at a Money Pass ATM in a 7 Eleven location and at any All Point or Visa Plus Alliance ATM. Otherwise, out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply. Sometimes pay-anyone instant transfers can be delayed. The recipient must use a valid debit card or be a Chime member to claim funds. Relationships aren't perfect, and MeUndies is celebrating our imperfectly perfect matches with their new Valentine's Day collection. I don't have to read the ad anymore. I can just tell you I'm wearing MeUndies, ladies and gentlemen. Always have been, always will. You know, I, not always, I guess. But what happened is I had a bunch of underwear I didn't like that much, and then I tried a couple pairs of MeUndies, and I was like, these are amazing. And I ordered a whole bunch of MeUndies, and now it's all I wear. And I am due for more. Maybe I'll do it here. Back to the ad. Gifting underwear for Valentine's Day? Wow, real groundbreaking. Express your one-of-a-kind relationship when you match your bottom half to your better half and fun limited edition prints. And if you're single, don't worry. You can mingle in matching pairs with your friends or even get dog hoodies and buddy bands to match your four-legged pal. MeUndies has a great offer for our listeners. For a limited time only, get 25% off your first order of matching pairs for Valentine's Day. And... As a first-time purchaser, you can also get 15% off in free shipping right now to your door. To get 25% off matching pairs, 15% off your first order, free shipping, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee, go to MeUndies.com slash kindoffunny. That's MeUndies.com slash kindoffunny. Real quick, I wanted to go back to the Black Chrysanthemum uh, fight scene. I love how this was presented because I love that we're seeing the back to tank for the 15th time and like, cool, we understand this means in and out of flashbacks, whatever. But for it to just be interrupted so violently by him, it reminded me of like video game moments. Like it reminded me of like being in the safe room in Resident Evil and then Mr. X busts through the, uh, the wall and you're like, wait, I thought I was safe here. And I thought they did a good job kind of making that terrifying and then following yeah. it up, rewarding us with a badass action scene like for as eh, as the chase scene was this black chrysanthemum fight i thought fucking ruled yes absolutely yeah. and and that was sort of the thing that i was waiting for when i said last week like they're gonna have to change up the way that these flashbacks work they're gonna have to change up this format and i love that they changed up the format with a big interruption like that i was a little like i said i'm a little confused as to how he got that far without being noticed but i'm good with it I'm yeah. good with it yeah. because we were rewarded with like a really great action sequence. And then, um, and then like just the hut twins appearing again, the moment they capture the moment they capture BK and they're just like, Oh, Hey man. Hey, we're, we're sorry. But I love the way they were so matter of fact about it. Like yeah. I love the characterization of huts and what huts are. And just the whole idea of we came to apologize. Yeah, we we tried to kill you and we didn't, and we're sorry. <laughs> yeah, like they're, they're so, so right. they're scummy. so sneaky and upfront at the same time. Yeah, I was. It yeah. was the right level of scummy. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I, but, I also have... love that they're there, kind of like that. She's like always just fanning herself with a comically small fan, and then he's mm -hmm. always like grabbing like live creatures, and just oh, rubbing it rat. on himself. Oh, the poor little rat. <laughs> Oh my God. It's uh, so I, good. I do have a little bit of a problem with the timing of, okay, so you're leaving because you have discovered that this planet's not worth it. Tatooine has gone to hell. There's an incredible commentary on Tatooine going to hell in this episode, which I do want to get into, but mm -hmm. you're like, it's not worth it. Actually, we're out of here. But like one last time you were like, Eh, let's see if we could kill Boba. I know, Pat. and that was the like, thing that, the like, night before, and that was like Give it a week <laughs> when I was uh, talking about like how I didn't love how this episode ended. Like, I th I thought it was cool that they were like, I like the idea of them backing out and being like, hey, you know what? In yeah. the grand scheme of things, this is important. Why was it important a few days ago? You know, like what, like just because yeah. they they captured your your bounty hunter, like they like that's that was the final straw with like and you know like the the other syndicate coming in like I, I get we knew I that get the, the other, feeling other syndicate was already in play. I don't maybe the yeah. huts didn't know like that scene just played out in a very confusing way. And then also well, I, Black Santin also just like awkwardly running away into the desert. I thought was also just right. like a really weird choice. He, he had to run off to the Doctor Afra comic. Like <laughs> they can't do too. Bye guys. They can't I'll do see too you much. Issue three. 302. <laughs> yeah, they can't do too much with him. He's got to go because he's needed elsewhere in continuity. But I do, I, I got the feeling that 
for the Huts, it was mostly a matter of pride. Like, I got the feeling that it was like, this is Hut territory, and it always has been, and it's Jabba's, and so we've come to take it back. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. And then when it becomes... My biggest question is, and I think it's a question that they're actually going to be leading to here, and it's a question that we've been asking over and over. What the fuck is so important about tattooing? Why do three syndicates want to run this place where it seems like everyone is broke, everyone is scraping by, there's not a lot going on, there are a couple people with a lot of money, but like, what is the natural resource? The water has dried up. A There's... street gang of insolent youths is stealing the water. Yeah, <laughs> the actually, they're from, stealing the water from, from Stephen Root from Office Space. Yeah, the, the boomer guy from uh, you know the okay, Red Sapler. I I gotta be honest, I loved that because it opened a little door for me of like Star Wars um, and these smaller individual stories that we're getting to tell on Disney Plus. Um, these are the impacts of the war and the fallouts of the war. The mainline stories are the war, mm-hmm. so. To open up the door for this story to potentially have uh, even just one thread of scarcity and taking advantage of scarcity, the fact that teens were having to steal water opened up this really interesting moment with Boba Fett as a character to me of the face that he made when he was like, why do the teens have to steal water? Mm-hmm. What do you mean? He doesn't understand how bad it's gotten. He doesn't know yet. And he I'm goes so from intrigued to, to follow that. So quick in that I'm scene. so intrigued I to follow love that. It. Right. Because like we don't know exactly where <laughs> Boba Fett's gonna land on our good guy scale yet. Yeah. Um, because he's like, well, he's not Jabba, but like, you know, he's the, you know, he's the like he's a he's a crime syndicate, yeah. you know, he's fighting with the dome, he's doing all of these things. So in this scenario, it opens up this path to um, good guy crime that I'm really into mm-hmm. of being like, oh, no, teens shouldn't be stealing water and you shouldn't be taking advantage of people's lack of access to life-saving necessities. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that would be the direction I would kill for this show to follow yeah. is like the kind of Robin Hood crime. And, and, yeah. and, and, and that's why I love the flashbacks and like kind of I, – I don't know if it's the – the final one and stuff and like how that kind of led that motivation in that scene where he's like, you're taking advantage of these kids, right? Of, you know, we, we get the other flashback of him trying to fight for uh, the, the Tuscans and going to the Pikes and being like, Hey, you gotta, you gotta pay us to, to be using these lands and stuff like that. Like I'm here to represent them. Um, And then coming back to, you know, his newfound family and they're all dead. Dude, and he has to that should hit me hard. Oh, yeah, I know. Because, like, it was one of those things where I was like, all right, we're getting another flashback scene. I, like, okay, like, now we're getting a little more, like, plot. And, like, uh, but I've loved, like, the, the character and uh, story building in the flashback stuff. I was like, all right, now we're getting into a little more of the implications of, like, what happened here uh, with uh, the Tuscans that have, like, led him down this path. Um, and, yeah, to, to get back to the, the village and he's got to, like – kind of clean it up and, you know, give them their, 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 uh, not burial, but like, you know, he puts them in the, the, the fire and stuff like that. And him having the little stick that the kid had, oh, that God. fucking hurt. Um, and again, that, that didn't was like see those, a body. I, yeah. Just saying, just saying uh, that, that Tuscan child is not coming back. Um, but it was one of those things. And that's what I was talking about where it was like, I think overall this episode was really clunky and weird. Um, but it also had some of my favorite moments and scenes. Like this was one of my favorite moments. Um, yeah. And, and I, yeah, we're, sorry, go ahead. We're set. We're, we're setting it up. You know what I mean? Like we're, we're, we're weaving all the threads together. I love the idea of the pikes. I love the fact that we still haven't seen Crimson Dawn, but Crimson Dawn is being whispered about and talked about. Uh, I do love that we're getting this, we're getting this underbelly and this working class of Star Wars, like like Sage was talking about. We got, you know, one of my favorite moments in The Last Jedi was the idea of like when they when he gets asked on Canto Bite, like, hey man, who do you think makes money off of these wars? Every X-Wing you see is made by somebody. Every, you know what I mean? Every weapon that the rebellion scrabble, you know, or, or, or the resistance scrabbles to get their hands on, somebody's got to pay for those weapons. And I do love the idea of seeing the classism of that. I, I do, I do wonder what makes Tatooine itself. And I like I still come back to this. Other than pride, other than a route across a planet, which they could take another route. Planet's all desert. 
<laughs> there are three towns on the planet. Take another route with your train. <laughs> what is the importance of Tatooine? And I think we're going to find that out. And I think we're also, like we like I said last week, I don't think Boba Fett wants to be as embroiled in this as he thinks he does. I think what we're seeing in that moment where he's like, why are teens stealing water? Do I want to be the god of teens stealing water? You know, we asked, <laughs> And he said yes. <laughs> we, you know, we, we asked like, we asked like, hey, does Boba Fett, like how far does Boba Fett go being the daimyo of this? Because we know by the mm -hmm. time he shows up in the Mandalorian, he's just a dude flying around again with yeah. Fennec. Right. How long can he put up with this? And what happens to Tatooine when he decides... I don't want to be a crime boss. I thought I did. Isn't that timeline-wise, though, this is the latest? What's happening in the present in Boba Fett is the furthest... No, because he's got to get his... Yeah, this is I the furthest. He's already the got his armor furthest, back. Furthest, furthest, yeah. Because he's gotten yeah. the armor back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, is, yeah. This yeah. is post-Mandalorian. This is post-Mando. We're going pre-Mando to post-Mando. Yeah, I still want to know what's important about Tatooine. <laughs> yeah, no, dude. That, yeah. Honestly, like that's. I, I hope that we we get some of it, and like it does seem like they're kind of like planting the seeds for us to get that. I love. I said this last week, and I love the doubling down on. There used to be water on Tatooine, like there mm -hmm. used to be ocean. Like that is such a cool idea. Getting all the flashbacks to um, Camino and seeing like the water there. Like I think that like that they're they're showing us those visuals for a reason. Um, and I, I do think that it's a little, again, goes back to like retread of like, okay, so we're getting flashbacks to Boba Fett being a little kid, like thinking about like what he remembered in the same way we got, uh, Yo, we've Din got Jarek one, doing the same thing. we've got one shot of Daniel Logan. I think I like that you bring up the, the Camino thing. Cause I was wondering like why, when they first showed it, I was like, oh, we're going to get more on Camino. And then it. Uh, of course, transitioned over to, uh, to Tatooine again. And I was like, huh, interesting. The more I thought about it, I don't know if it's uh, uh, thinking about like the the water in the sand, but I, I do think a, a lot of what this story has done so far is just Boba Fett trying to feel like he belongs to something again. Um, and I think it is interesting that I think they're making it a point that he is dreaming more about these Tuscans than his own actual father. Right. I, th yeah. I think there's, there's something there. And I, I, I think I hope that they dive more into that. I don't know if that's too much for them to kind of tackle in, you know, seven episodes. But I, I would love to see more of that. Well, really I think it's I, I think it's part of his I think it's part of his background now, like this patchwork quilt of loss. That is Boba Fett's story. Right. He was part of, you know, he was part of essentially there were there were there were hundreds of thousands of him. Right. And they're all gone now. Right. His father is gone now. Camino is gone now. Uh, he found another community with the Tuscans. The Tuscans are gone now. And I think it's something where they're trying to show us that he feels he feels pushed to be this crime lord because it seems like the only thing he's ever wanted that he's able to get. Um, but. But what he really wants is a family and a family of cyberpunk zoomer kids. I want to go and Danny Trejo. Yeah, and I want to go back Rancor. to the rancor because, like, <laughs> I, I like when they brought that thing in, and you kind of see the 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 rancor keeper in the distance. I was like, huh, that guy kind of looks like Danny it Trejo. Looks like <laughs> and then it shows him again. I was like, oh shit, that's Danny Trejo. <laughs> you know, Robert Rodriguez ain't gonna show up without him. Sage, I think you muted yourself. I did. Thank you. I said Danny Trejo starring in How to Train Your Rancor. Oh my god. <laughs> They're gonna, I, they're gonna ride around on Rancor. I understand. Dude, John Favreau is so in love with that holiday special because it was the first time he saw Boba Fett, and he talks yep. about it all the time. And the idea of Boba Fett riding this giant beast—I love—is like yeah. all he wants. That's yeah. he just wants to make it happen. I understand like the the similarities of like you know uh, Jin and like the the connections to to animals that the the Mandalorian have. This this scene didn't remind me of that though um and it just i think it was just like how the scene played out we got to see and we've seen little tidbits here and there of like boba just kind of being a dork in a in a way yeah. and just like him kind of like falling in love with this creature and uh you know danny like we also got to see like another side of rancors that isn't through the lens of luke skywalker being mm -hmm. uh, like about to being eaten by one right and I, I i really loved and appreciated that and just like we're like the robots like hey we've got business and he's like i'm busy i'm petting my pet all right <laughs> give me a fucking minute and i like i almost clapped because i was like i get it i get it yeah boba fett Barrett. Do you think that the, this is the same Rancor that they introduced in Bad Batch? I'm so fuzzy on it that I don't remember, but they like did the introduce a baby. Shit. 
Um, Rancor in that. No, that was being because sent uh, to Jabba's palace. Bad Batch, uh, you have to remember, takes place soon after Order sixty six. It's nineteen yeah. BBY. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, so that's going to be. I mean, it uh, is like twenty. It's, but it's uh, like thirty years ago, forty like yeah. thirty years ago. Because we're in um, five right sense. now, I believe. But that Rancor was also for Jabba. Um, right, and remember, this is five years we're after, after Jedi. Jedi. But yeah. remember that we are told that this Rancor is a calf. It's new. It's baby. Oh, it's baby. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We're in it's baby. So it can't be the I same one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Z-Poll in the chat says the Bad Batch Rancor was also orange. So that's a good mm. point as well. Mm -hmm. It was also okay. animated. So, you know. I know. It's interesting that this show kind of overall is like, all right, cool. Let's take this character, Boba Fett, that, you know, a lot of people have different feelings towards over the last 30 years plus. And the idea is. He's a cool dude because he has cool armor. And really, that's all he's done. And so this show is kind of like, all right, let's show that even without the armor, he's a cool guy. And like that's kind of the, the thesis statement, I think, of the entire mm -hmm. thing. I think it's an interesting direction to take Boba Fett and kind of to your point earlier, Carboni, of like, we're not seeing the bounty hunter stuff. Like, with all the flashback is like him hanging out with the Tuskens. And like, even all the other stuff, it's like him kind of being this new Jabba, Jabba type uh, crime mm -hmm. lord. And even in this episode, they like, he talks to uh, Black Chrysanthemum or about him and mentions bounty hunting as if that was an old life for him. Like, he's not a bounty hunter anymore. And right. it's, it's just, it's kind of weird that like we don't get bounty hunting Boba Fett ever <laughs> like we yeah. just get yeah. i mean i guess we get the him getting the solo and carbonite and all that stuff and like you didn't need to kill for that but like right it's just it's interesting you know yeah. that like the show I, I think it's a ballsy choice and i don't know if it's gonna pay off but i i'm in for the ride and i appreciate mm -hmm. that we're now three episodes in we have mm -hmm. four left so yeah. this episode kind of being the weird like tying things together episode i get and it makes sense i'm more interested that we have four episodes that seems like simultaneously a lot to be able to cover a whole bunch more shit, but also like, what are they going to do in four episodes? Yeah. yeah. I wonder if the flashbacks this, this season, like we don't know if we're getting a second season. Maybe we get another Boba Fett series. Maybe he appears in another series that happens. They got so much stuff in the works. Who knows? But once they wrap up this story of Tatooine, I wonder if, you remember how young Indiana Jones always starts with old Indiana Jones thinking about young Indiana Jones in every yeah. episode. I wonder if we don't always get these stories of older Boba Fett and like maybe next season, once this is wrapped up, we can see like he can flash back even younger. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? We yeah. could see that young Boba Fett. I think they're trying to show us who the guy is. And then, cause I gotta, I gotta put myself in the, in the mindset of, of a new fan too. Right. I'm being introduced to this old guy who's trying to do the right thing, right? And that's what he's for. He's trying to leave a life behind him. Now they're going to show me like the brutal life that he left behind, mm -hmm. maybe in season two. I don't know. That's a cool I'm idea. really, I'm really intrigued by it because we know from the like Legends continuity a lot of stuff about Boba Fett that is like not necessarily going to be applicable here. But what we know from that is that Boba Fett from this point in his life on, essentially only takes bounties to pay for his treatments. Mm -hmm. So he's taking large individual bounties and he's doing his best to just fund literally the rest of his life. Uh, he develops the rare space cancer from the Sarlacc pit and the rest of Boba Fett's life canonically is him taking bounties and putting all of that money into these extremely um, inaccessible treatments to just stay alive. So. I kind of thought when we were getting Book of Boba Fett, I was like, oh, we're not going to do, we're not going to do that. And then they open on him in this tank and I'm like, we're doing it. So how, I, I don't see us seeing that much of him as a, a bounty hunter, but I look forward to those like big heists that make it worth yeah. it just so he can sustain. Mm, yeah. And I think that's a cool balance. Instead of showing us, whoa, look how cool Boba Fett is. They didn't have to show us anything. They didn't have to show us anything for us to all think Boba Fett was cool. We all now, bought in so long ago. Here's the thing. I feel like I would like a little bit more of Boba Fett being cool mm -hmm. in this show. Having said that, mm -hmm. when this shitty speeder chase happens and these kids are all bopping around in their colored cars or colored speedos or whatever the hell, they're going around. They and might have had the colored girl, speedos on, babe. Yeah, you don't know. Yeah, don't yeah, make that exactly, exactly. They all have speedos. Everyone in the gang is getting <laughs> a speedo to match their Vespa. 
You That's have to. Awesome. Sign me up. But she, the the girl, the main girl that I'm sure we're gonna get back at, like Drash. She's, she's mm-hmm. that's yeah. her name, Drash. Drash. Okay, she's gonna be Boba's right hand woman or left hand, I, I guess, with with Fennec. But whatever. Yeah. She does the the shitty drift to the camera thing, and it doesn't look good at all. And then Boba <laughs> Fett fucking flies down from his jetpack and, and just lands. And I'm like, thing. holy yeah. shit, that was awesome! <laughs> like that's all it took for me to be sold. Like I'm so weak minded. Yeah. Yeah, but that's what I mean. Is like it's really easy for Boba Fett to be cool. Mm-hmm. So what's so interesting is that in this series, instead, we're seeing him repeatedly getting his ass handed to him, yeah. um, in a lot of ways, and then having moments of extreme strength that reminds you, oh my God, that's Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are watching like what this like very revered bounty hunter kind of has become. And then what is the new way that he can be that like kind of cool guy? I don't know. Is I'm, it giving water to teens? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. it's so maybe it's democratic socialism in space. Hey, maybe <laughs> hey, I'm for it. for it. But yeah, I that that's such an interesting point, Tim, because it kind of does put this cartoony chase in a in a perspective where it's like this chase was really hard for these space teens who seem tough but they're only tough for this small town in Tatooine and Boba Fett's like I don't have time for this fucking chase scene. Yeah. <laughs> totally. He's yeah. trying to I think here's what I think I'm missing from both now that we've had this conversation it's crystallized. Here's what I'm missing from both Ming-Na and Tamora on this. There is a chill that comes with being the toughest person in the room, but it needs to be, I need to feel the rage that you're controlling, right? Mm. We're seeing Boba Fett try to be a better person after all of this tragedy and violence. And the only thing we see of the PTSD and the anger is his dreams. I want a little bit more of like, I feel like Boba's going to snap and then he does the right thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like Fennec's going to snap, but then she's chill because Boba says chill. And I, and I feel like there was more of that Carboni of what you're talking about in Mando season two, like in Mm -hmm. their little interstitial scenes where they like kind of helped out Mando. Like I felt more of that in, in not their own show than in their own show, which that's a very interesting uh, perspective. I, I have, one thing. I, I have one thing left I need to talk about. We need to talk about these fucking pikes. Because yeah. here's the thing. Fish um, mob. F- you know, pikes were kind of, and correct me if I'm wrong here, at least in the visual medium of Star Wars. I don't know about, uh, unsure about comics. Like, when they were kind of introduced in the animated sense, they're kind of like these cool, weird, sleazy-looking guys. And to translate that into live action, they're just kind of dorky looking fish boys i'm gonna be (laughs) honest here and the thing that really left me wanting at the end of this episode was like all right war is coming like uh, these pikes are bringing everybody and all this stuff and like kind of the the oh fuck moment when they all come is just like 10 dorky fish boys like kind of getting off of a ship and like i was expecting i was expecting them to have hired guns maybe some familiar faces in the in that group of hired guns or something and then like but no it's that big moment and it's just like these dorky fish boys and that's that's how many how many fish are there whole fucking school of them yeah (laughs) they're all here now and that was the that was really like the the thing with like the, the twins leaving really quickly and then, uh, like, kind of this being the last beat, I was kind of like, all right. Yeah, that, of- that's where the episode three out of seven comes into play, I think, yeah. where it's like, it's, it's like not even the halfway point. It's just this weird, weird moment because watching the trailers for the show and kind of theorizing of what we thought it could be. And on top of that, just what we expect from a Boba Fett show. The thing I was most interested in, and I, I still am to an extent, is the idea of who owns what areas of Tatooine, what are the different gangs. The word syndicate is the coolest thing in the fucking world. And like, I love that the idea of these crime syndicates and all this. And I feel like this episode, at least so far, and like there's four more to prove me wrong, kind of wrapped all that storyline up in a way that didn't feel satisfying because it was like, cool, this area is these people, this area is these people, this area is these people, but it doesn't matter. It's just these fish guys coming in a, in a, in a big ass plane. And I like, think fish guys okay. are. I think fish guys in a plane are the immediate threat. But I think you know they were definitely laying down some some exposition about Bib Fortuna gave up power because he couldn't rule all of Tatooine, so he gave it to these families. 
the families don't like reporting to anybody and you will have to deal with that. But right now we've got a fish drop. So fi <laughs> like, you know, so fish drop first. And then I think the thing that's missing Barrett, I think, I, I think the thing that's missing from the live act, these live action pikes is some of the stuff that was in the, the initial art or the animation were like, do you remember when they, when they had all that art of the pikes, like bearing these fish fangs? And stuff like that yeah like they had and their faces were a little more like bisected yeah you and know they they, they they were definitely when they even when they took off like the their helmets and stuff like they were just they were more angular they they were more mm -hmm. interesting to like kind of kind of look at and uh, before i forget shout out to the spider that we get in like a little transition scene and how it like shout kinda, out to the spider monk yeah and like how it kind of did that weird i like, want to talk about that spider monk so bad <laughs> <laughs> put your brain in a jar for religion like are they just they're just gonna let it walk by yeah. Multiple There's, times. You're just gonna, <laughs> hey, Spider Monk, you don't walk on by without saying howdy? He's looking over there and he's like, I don't know anybody there anymore and fuck it. Okay, but hear me out. Spider Monks, rise up, take back your temple, let's go. Ooh. Here's what I want. I here's see what I want. Go to war with Spider Monks. Yo, here's what we need. We need more Spider Monks. We need more of the decat. We need more of the decraniated. Yeah. Right, those robots that Ooh. don't have skulls, yeah, they just have awesome. computers and jaws. I want more of that weird shit. We're, we're we're touching on the weird, but we're not going exactly into the weird that I want. You know, Talk that's a, that's a good point, real quick about uh the 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 weird, but then also the the least weird we've ever seen in Star Wars. And I feel like Boba Fett, uh, just the first three episodes we've seen, gives us some really weird shit and like out there stuff. Even the 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 kids and the augments and the colors that they're all like wearing. That is weird, right? Yeah, and it's very out of place. It, it, it could, be, could be good weird, could be bad weird. I'm not fully sure yet. Mm -hmm. But then there's also just straight up rats. Like, yeah, there's I'm not a talking about the, the hut uh, thing. I'm talking about like yeah. um, in, in episode two, there's, there's just a rat. And hey, it's man. like, it's weird to me where it's like, the, this is like the least Star Wars feeling things. Like when you look around, like we still get the, the establishing, ah, establishing shots of like any cantina ever or just like the streets of Tatooine and we see all these like different types of creatures and it's very Star Wars where it's like we just get random cuts never introduced to the characters but yeah this dude's missing a skull like whatever like that's just cool I feel like there's just a lot more normal dudes <laughs> than we've ever listen had. man here's the thing there's normal dudes in space yeah. we've seen them we've seen a few there's there's probably plenty of just normal stuff listen for every for every gerbil that breathes fire there's just a regular ass rat you know what I yeah. mean? True. You know what I mean? Uh, Bunch of I snakes and lizards in, uh, you know, uh, what was it called? Yo, Yoda's roommate is just a regular snake. Yeah. <laughs> he just splits the rent with That's a, a regular point. snake. That's a good point. I yeah. Do, like, going back to the pikes, I do want to say that, like, the fear of the pike, and this is the thing where it's interesting because it feels like half of it's for new for new fans, half of it's for old fans, and, like, I don't know if they're threading that needle. Because if you're, like, Barrett, you're bringing up, if you're afraid of the pikes... Uh, or you know the pikes are a threat because of Clone Wars. You know the pikes are are a threat because like they have alliances with like Death Watch and Darth Tyrannus and mm -hmm. like all of these like they don't they, fuck they took around. Over, they don't fuck around. Yeah. They took over Mandalore because they have like the backing of like some really big serious dudes. Without knowing that, if you're just watching these fish boys land, you're right. You go. Why is he afraid of those fish boys? He's got a jetpack. <laughs> you know? Exactly. I think that what Boba Fett does, I think the Mandalorian did it a little bit, but the book of Boba Fett is really committing to it, is all of the biggest things in the universe are happening right outside and they're going to walk by and we're not going to touch it. Like, it's hmm. just going to, like, it's going to fly by you and you're going to be like, wow, something really big is happening, like, over there. So we're looking at this. We're actually over here right now. Right. Like when Black Kersantan's like, gotta go. I'm needed elsewhere. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is our first live action uh, time we've ever heard Dathomir, right? Yeah. So that, that's yeah. kind of that's kind of cool. The witches of like, Dathomir, yeah. And like even then talking about the potential Crimson Dawn stuff, like that's Yo, interesting. can I get some live action witches of Dathomir, please? Please, 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 please. We know they're please. still around after Clone Wars. Yo, can we intro the space goth girlfriends, please? please. Or that's just, all I've been asking. Or for. we just get Jedi Fallen Order 2 as soon as possible, please. Okay. Amen. Wait, here's something. Here's something that I want to know. Now Hit that we've me. got 
eight eight live action series, you know, in development or whatever. We got a lot of stuff happening. We gonna run into Cal Kestis at oh, some point. Does Cameron, does Cameron Monaghan show up at any point in one of these shows that's coming up? 100%. Maybe not this one. I'm convinced but it, he's dead by uh, the original trilogy. Mm. Interesting. I'm, I'm convinced, like, they're, like the, the trilogy that, or, or the story that they're going to tell in the Jedi Fallen Order games, I, I, I have a very good feeling he's going to be dead by the end of it. Mm. Interesting. I can see it. That makes sense. You know, the same way where we're kind of like, where's the, where's the, where's old lady Kira? I want to know where old lady Cal Kestis is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> reveal oh, him. <laughs> reveal him. Are they, are they both alive? Are they smooching? I want to know. I want to know what's Kira going and Cal on. Cal Kestis smooching? I don't well, know. No, what everybody. are they doing? I don't know. I, feel about I don't know. Hey, everybody. Let us check know out. in the comments below if you want to see Go to my them archive smooch. of our own page. <laughs> Tons of stories. <laughs> AO3, oh, it's all Kira and Cal Kestis. Gotta love it, gotta love it. The last thing I want to say uh, before we wrap up here is I love that every single episode of Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett, the credits have the concept art because it's just mm -hmm. the best part. No matter what you think about the episode, when that music hits and you oh, just yeah. see the badass concept art, I'm like, this is the best show and, ever. And every episode, made. I'm like, man, I miss the Mandalorian theme. And then when the Book of Boba uh, Fett theme hits at the end, I'm like, fuck yeah, dude. They like, got me. They got so me. Good. It's good. Absolutely Ludwig don't sucks. miss. It's a really good time to love Star Wars. Yeah, it is. Oh, speaking of that concept art, I just want to drop one more thing. Did you notice during the chase scene when they drove through that painting and it was the Ralph McQuarrie yeah. concept Jabba art Palace of Jabba's thing. Palace? Like they, like they were just moving all of Jabba's shit out. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. It's great. Carboni, Sage, where can people find you? Well, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 8 a.m., you can find, uh, 8 a.m. Pacific time, you can find us on uh, twitch.tv slash Pixel Circus for It's Too Early, which is our morning pop culture and gaming news show. Did you ever want news before Kind of Funny does the news <laughs> and slightly different? That's what we got. Love it. Love it. Us more tired and pretty angry. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's great. Let us know in the comments below what you thought about the book of Boba Fett. Uh, episode three. That's what it was. That's what it was. Uh, we will return next week with episode four because that's how TV shows work. Uh, mm -hmm. But like I said, we're doing Peacemaker in the next couple days. That's very exciting. But until next time, I love you all. Goodbye.